Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Whether you're here in Cinecourt East or Cinecourt West, whether you're in the Woodlands today worshiping there, whether you're worshiping online, I'm thankful for you wherever you are. Glad that you're here today. Also thankful that Duffy is back to finish the series that he started last week on John 15 because it's always a treat and a joy when Duffy brings God's word to us, right? Let's welcome him now as he comes to preach. Thanks, sir. Hey, good morning. And let me say happy Thanksgiving too. We are, uh, it's always just a great privilege to be here at Faith Bridge and those of you who join us from the Woodlands and those of you who are online right here on Klein Campus, great to see you. Um, I, I know that some of you every week, this is one of the things I love about Faith Bridge is that some of you are new faces and you're just kind of checking out uh, church or maybe just checking out God and, and, uh, and that's great. We're delighted you're here. Some of us uh, have kind of been around church for a while. Maybe, maybe you've grown up in church. And, uh, and, 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 and one of the kind of uh, fun things about growing up in church is that, uh, is that you get exposed to all of these amazing uh, different programs, cool programs that are designed to, uh, to help us grow in our love for for Jesus, and uh, for example, we have uh, everybody expects this. We have Sunday school classes. You you know that, and we have um, like these cool coloring books you can draw in. We've got flannel graphs. That that's awesome. Uh, we got uh, Christmas pageants. How many have actually been? Let's do, how many have actually been in a Christmas pageant? Let's see a show of hands. Okay, you were in the what? What part did you play in the Christmas pageant? You just sang. No, that's good. That's important. Angels say, you know, that, that's a good thing, you know. And, and uh, yeah, okay. Well, like I always, uh, I was always asked to play a cow. And uh, you're, you're laughing, but it was an utter success. But, but I, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to milk it. But, but I, 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 I never had a, a very big role in that. Uh, certainly not uh, a wise man. Uh, how about this? Uh, picture Bibles. That's a cool thing. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we have these... We have also uh, stuff for like uh, groups like Royal Ambassadors. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Awana, maybe, uh, Sunshine Girls, uh, you know, Juveniles for Jehovah. They're all these kind of groups that we have. Those are kind of cool. We got Christian comic books. That's awesome. Uh, Bible quiz teams. How many, anybody here ever done a Bible quiz team? Let's see a show of hands. Okay, it's a Methodist church. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, okay. Uh, you go, how about we like Jeopardy? Uh, yeah, um, and, and, then, and then of course we've got youth group, youth group. And, and, and I, love, I love this picture because first of all, you got the kid that's being attacked by an overhead projector. Uh, that, that's, and then you got the kid behind him who is quite possibly demon possessed. And, 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 and then I love the guy over on the right who uh, will actually grow up to be a youth pastor. But, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of fun. Uh, but all the stuff we do, all the stuff we do, studying the Word, growing in, in Christ with friends, and uh, memorizing Scripture, studying the Word, Sunday school, youth group, small group, church, community, it's all great. It's fantastic. As long as we remember that the surest test of, of real faith is what happens between Sundays, 
It's what happens between worship services, between youth groups and, and Sunday school and small group meetings, that, which is precisely where we focused last week when we began our discussion of what we called Tarzan Christianity. Tarzan Christianity, we asked the question, how do we live a faith that is real between those kind of treetop moments of, of inspiration and exhilaration uh, where, where God seems uh, very, very, very near and very, very real? How do we, how do we live out an authentic faith um, in, in the jungle of, of everyday life? Uh, you, you think about the stresses of, 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 of each week at work, at school, and relationships, and family, and, this, and then just the headlines over the last 10 days. Uh, it, it's, it's a jungle. And, and, and how do we live out our faith in that, sort of, uh, in that sort of place, that sort of jungle when God maybe seems kind of distant or sort of remote or maybe, or maybe not there at all? And that's what we're going to pick up again. Uh, this week uh, in our study, this morning we're going to turn again to this idea of what it means to abide in Christ, to abide in Christ. If you have a Bible, would you turn with me this morning again to John chapter 15? John chapter 15. If you'd like to follow along in a Bible and you didn't bring one, you don't have one, if you'll just raise your hand. We have got folks that would love to, to make sure that you have one. John chapter 15. And we're going to begin reading uh, in the very first verse of chapter 15 in the Gospel of John. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What we observed last week uh, as we looked at these words from John chapter 15 is that a, a vibrant, uh, authentic Christian life is not about trying to kind of uh, swing from spiritual treetop to spiritual uh, treetop. It's about clinging to the vine. Clinging to the vine, clinging, it's about abiding in Jesus who is himself the Lord of the jungle. Uh, seven times, we noted this last week, seven times in this John 15 passage, Jesus uses some form of this phrase, abide in me, abide in my love. We talked about that last week. We described it in terms of a first-hand faith. 
This week, what we're going to discover is that, yes, uh, uh, abiding in Christ begins with a firsthand faith, but then it's sustained and it's, it's, it's expressed and, and lived out in a faithful faith that matures into a fruitful faith. So let, let's look at these two big ideas beginning with uh, faithful faith, faithful faith. Go back to the text, verses 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The surest mark of a person abiding in Christ is the desire to respond to Jesus' love in faithful obedience. The equation in these verses is quite clear. Abiding leads to obeying. Abiding leads to obeying. Now, I know there are a lot of times when, when we hear preachers talk about uh, obedience that we tend to think in terms of big kind of radical uh, decisions. You know, I'm going to go to the mission field. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, sell my BMW. I'm going to homeschool my kids. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to close down my, my fantasy sports betting account. And that, that it, it's some kind of big uh, dramatic thing. And there's nothing wrong with those kind of decisions. That, that's, that's great. But what I want you to notice this morning is the metaphor that Jesus uses here. He's talking about fruit. And, and generally speaking, fruit isn't particularly dramatic. It, it ripens and matures over time. It grows a little day by day. You, you may need to, to, to go to the mission field. God may be calling you to the mission field. God may be calling you to sell your BMW. God may be calling you to you know, shut down your, your Draft King account. But, but if you're honestly seeking to grow in your love and obedience to Jesus this morning, let me just give you a very, very simple and practical suggestion. Don't get so focused on the giant steps that you overlook the power of baby steps. Um, I remember as a kid, we, you know, we'd go to summer camp and the last night of the retreat, the last night of youth group camp, um, there would be some kind of campfire service, right? We all know that. And, and everybody's gathered around the fire and it's very, uh, you know, serious. And there's kind of this holy solemnity and uh, the, the, the sparks are shooting up in it's pristine nighttime sky. And it's kind of just high drama, and the preacher would step up and say, you know, young people, if you're serious about Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come up here and, and, uh, and stand with me, you know, next to this campfire. Or, or uh, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're really serious about Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come up here, young people, and, and, and um, throw a piece of wood, throw a piece of wood into the fire, you know, uh, or... Um, or, you know, uh, young people, if you're really serious about Jesus, and I'm not, this is not going to be easy, but I'm going to ask if you're serious about Jesus, just come up here right now and, 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 and just stand in this campfire. And, and, and you know, and, and, and people respond, and that's great, that's fantastic. But anybody who's been in youth ministry more than about 20 minutes will tell you, you know this, that the greatest test of what happens in that fire is what happens when that fire burns out. It's not the giant step. I love the giant step moments, but it's the baby step moments that test 
maturity and obedience. Uh, some of you know that, um, that I work with Tony Campolo. And if you've ever heard Tony Campolo preach, he is, a, he is the poet laureate of gigantic, radical, big steps for Jesus. He, he's this Italian guy who yells and sweats and spits and, and, uh, and gestures uh, wildly, sometimes uncontrollably. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, we, were do, we do a lot of events together. We were doing an event several years ago in Colorado. Fort Collins at the Colorado State University in Moby Arena. And there were about 5,000 high school students. I was speaking in the morning. Tony was speaking at night. And it was an evening session. Tony's up there preaching and he's yelling and, and, uh, and, and, and he's got this group fired up. And, and it's already about 150 degrees in this room because it's in Colorado. And remember, they don't have to air condition there because it's dry heat. And, uh, and I, go, I know, dry heat, that's what we cook with. But, but, uh, but, but anyway, so it's just hot as Gehenna in the place. And Tony is, is preaching. It's kind of a call and response. You know, he's like, oh, and then they, they kind of, he would, and he, they would yell back, and, and, and it was just, he had this group lathered and rocking that arena. Was, I mean, you could just tell Tony could not wait to see what he was going to say next. And, and uh, anyway, he finally gets this group to a fever pitch. Just this, I mean, builds this thing up to excitement, is the momentum. And he finally just yells out, just, how many are willing to go to China? <sighs> All these kids, 5,000 kids stand up, scream, and it was amazing. Uh, after the thing was over that night, Tony and I went out to dinner. I said, man, that was, that was amazing. I lo- that was so powerful when all those kids stood up. And, and uh, I said, but you know, um, you know that they can't, they can't actually go to China, right? I mean, they're, they're going to have to go home. Uh, you know, that uh, their, their mother will be upset, right? Like if they call from Shanghai. Uh, you know, hi, mom, you know, guess where I am? Oh my gosh, say hi, Ling. Uh, I, I said, uh, I, I said uh, you, you know what? If you really want to call them to commitment, Tony, maybe you should call them to go home, to be obedient in little tiny things, to, 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 to be willing to serve Jesus in their house. Like maybe just go home and wash the dishes, <laughs> you know? You know don't, don't go to China, go home and wash it. In, in other words, in other words, that, that part of it is is recognizing that sometimes the giant step is powerful and profound. It's great, but quite often obedience is lived out in the baby steps. One of the best ways for you to translate your experience here at Faithbridge on Sundays back into your everyday life is to simply get into the habit of asking yourself each week, what is one practical baby step I can take? in response to what I've heard today. In, in Sunday school, um, in, in worship, in the sermon, in my, in my conversation uh, with friends, how can I live out my obedience in my relationship, my family, uh, my, my friends at school, the folks at work, the people on the team? How can I serve him more faithfully uh, in, 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 at church? Uh, in, in, at work or with my friends or in my family. Maybe it's the way you use your money. Maybe it's the way you use your mind. Maybe it's the way you use your, your, your time. Maybe it's the way you use your words. But what is the baby step? Let Jesus' life in you, let Jesus' life in you um, begin to more and more become one step more vivid. In other words, one step more authentic because that's the nature of faithful faith.
Now, um, this will require some intention. This will require uh, commitment because, because Jesus wants us to see here that there are two very, very real enemies of faithful faith. Um, the first of those enemies is what I call disengagement. And the other is simply discouragement. Let, let's take a look at each of them for just a minute. Uh, disengagement. It is hard, I think, to read through this passage and not notice that in the span of 11 verses, uh, Jesus twice offers his disciples a very, very solemn warning. Let's go back to text. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me, he says, that does not bear fruit, God takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes. And if that's not explicit enough, go to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, I think most of us find those words a little bit, a little bit troubling. First of all, um, a lot of people, especially young people, uh, I think just get nervous when anybody mentions prunes. Uh, you know, remember that when you were a kid, that was just like, uh, you know what, that has a lot of connotations I'm not comfortable with. As you get older, you're like, I get it, Jesus, prunes. You know, but, but, but th th that just kind of makes some people uncomfortable. Secondly, though, you, you can't avoid reading these words in John chapter 15, verses 2 and 6, without observing that Jesus is giving us here a sober warning. Verse 6, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Yikes, right? I mean, it, 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 it sounds like I can be a branch in Jesus. So this is not, this is not people who are not about, not part of, this is, I can be a branch in Jesus. But if I'm not bearing enough fruit, Jesus is gonna just kind of break me off and throw me into the fire. I mean, holy cow. This, this is like, you know, finding out on Facebook that you've been unfriended by your mom. I mean, it, it's like, whoa, you know. It's like, it, it, it's like in, in, in school, remember this, when your teacher would say, does anybody have any questions? There are no stupid questions. And you ask a question, she goes, okay, I take that back. You know, I mean, just, just when you start to get comfortable, just when you start to kind of feel like, okay, I can, I can sort of bear my, my burdens here, all of a sudden you begin to feel like, wow, wow. Uh, you know, it sounds like one bad season of fruit and, and I'm gonna get invited uh, to this really unfortunate campfire service. And, and you, you're kind of going, excuse me, Jesus, I don't wanna be rude or anything, but if the destination here is fullness of of joy, I don't think this is going to get us there. And, and I'm afraid this is one of those passages that troubles us not because we don't understand it, but because we do. Because we do. Jesus is saying, in essence, there are two types of branches. There are those that bear fruit, and there are those that do not bear fruit, and they are as different from each other as a fruit tree is from a Christmas tree. One is organic and living, and it will continue to live because it's connected to its true source of nourishment. The other may, for a time, look good. 
You know, its branches beautifully decorated, but that branch will die because it's cut off from its life source. Jesus is saying very pointedly here, and this is very clear in verse six. If we think we can bear fruit on our own, if we think we can remain vital and living even when we're disengaged from the life of the vine, by just being religious, maybe just just showing up on sun, just kind of being decked out with a lot of nice Christian decorations, Jesus is saying, we're dead wrong. That is a serious miscalculation. Branches that do not abide in the vine are branches that are broken off and thrown into the fire. This is, this is gardening 101. This is, this, is, this is grape growing for dummies. A branch that is disengaged from the vine will not bear fruit. And it cannot breed life. Those are Jesus' words, and it's, a, and it's a stark truth, which is where I think for some of us we could possibly confront the second enemy of, of, of obedience, of, of faithful faith, and that's discouragement. That's discouragement. And we read these words, and, it, and it's, it's discouraging. And I do a lot of seminars for parents, <clears throat> particularly parents of teenagers, and, and, and I see this all the time where they, they, they come in and they're hopeful and they're expectant and they're listening. And as much as I want to make the seminar practical and encouraging, you can just begin to see them sink a little bit lower into the chair. Oh my gosh, we're not doing that. We should be doing this. Oh wow, we totally missed that. And, 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 and we're falling short there. And, and by the time they leave, you can just sense it. On the way home, they're going, honey, if we love the kids, we really need to put them up for adoption. You know, and, and, and I think all of us have felt that kind of discouragement. You feel it a little bit, I think, when you read this passage, when you read these words about, about pruning and, and, and breaking off and, and, and fire. Let me please urge you this morning, don't get discouraged. Don't let discouragement talk you out of drawing closer to Jesus. Maybe you're not at a place yet where you can give full surrender to Jesus. Um, you know, just because you're not ready to give him everything, that doesn't mean you can't give him something. I remember that when I was a very, very young Christian, uh, the guy that discipled me, he used to say, Duffy, Jesus is hard to satisfy, but he's easy to please. He's hard to satisfy, but he's easy to please. Give him today what you can, and then ask him to give you the grace tomorrow to give him more. And I'm not, I don't want to take away the, the edge of Jesus's words in John 15, because I think, I think, frankly, some of us need to feel a little bit of the sting, a little bit of the cut. But at the same time, if you're feeling discouraged this morning, that Jesus would just as soon throw you out as lift you up. I want to remind you, first of all, Jesus's clear intention in John 15, first and foremost, is to bring life It's to bring life. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why the pruning? Why the taking away? Why the cut? Why does he do all this? So that the branch may bear more fruit. Jesus is about cultivating life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. We can't forget that. And that's true regardless of how, how, how you or I respond to him this week. This is his intention in our lives. Jesus has chosen to love us 
first. He's already made, he's already made his move. In fact, he says in verse nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is not, this is not, you know, you follow me on Pinterest and I'll follow you. You know, we're not called to obey Jesus so that, so that maybe, you know, uh, we, we can get him to like us on some eternal, you know, faith book. Uh, the, it, it, basically, we're called to obey Jesus because he says in verse 15, I have called you. I have already called you friends. In fact, Jesus says in verse 15, these are not the commands of a master to a servant. In verse, in verse 15, he says, no, these are the commands of a friend to a friend. In fact, it gets even better in verse 16. He says, look, you didn't choose me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Remember, verse 11, the whole point of these commands is not to make us miserable, but to bring us joy. The fuller our obedience, the fuller our joy. God may prune you. He may break off some limbs that you think are really, really necessary. It may be quite painful. It may be difficult. Some of you may even be experiencing that sort of season now. He may even transplant you somehow to put you in a place of better growth. But what he does, he does in love so that you can bear more fruit, prove to be his disciple, and so that God will be glorified. Abiding in Christ begins with a firsthand faith, but it's proven and sustained and expressed by a faithful faith. And then finally, it matures into a fruitful faith, a fruitful faith. Um, I've been involved in church ministry now for over 30 years. You go, Duffy, you look so young, but it's true. It's not funny. Uh, what you begin to notice after a while in, um, in, in, in church life is there's about three different models, three kind of basic models for how churches seem to operate and, and, and kind of do church. Uh, for example, they're, they're the churches that have all kinds of activities for everybody, all kinds of stuff going on. I call this the spring break model, the spring break model. And we got, you know, they got all kinds of activities. You got this facility where you can do skateboards and, you know, bingo night and wine tasting and water park and, and, uh, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you name it, we're doing it. It's happening at the church. The calendar is absolutely full with just a, a huge array of amazing uh, of activity. This is, kind of the, this is sort of the something for everybody approach to church life, right? And, and it kind of makes sense in some ways because, you, you know, you go, well, different strokes, different folks. And so let's get a lot of stuff going on and we'll be able to offer something that suits the needs of, of more people. But then there are some churches go, no, that's just a bunch of fluff. You know, what you win them with is what you win them to. Uh, we, we're we're going to offer something with meat. And, and so what we're going to do, we're not going to have a bunch of 4th of July celebrations. And we're not going to have fireworks shows, or, you know, and, and we're not going to do Halloween parties. We're going to emphasize the Bible. I call this the, the King James model uh, of church life. This is where you really focus on getting people into the word. Heavy duty Bible study. We exposit it. We explain it. We memorize it. We parse it. We think about it. We dig deeply into it. We have charts and all kinds of stuff. And we are really heavy duty Bible study. And, and, and these are the people who take seriously the study of God's word. And I, I would hope certainly that, that 
uh, that all of us here this morning would appreciate the merit in an approach like that. Um, I mean, it was just last week right here at Faith Bridge where we said the key to abiding in Christ is loving the words of Jesus and living the words of Jesus. It's pretty tough to do that if you don't actually know the words of Jesus. That's important. On the other hand, uh, folks say, yeah, but you know what? You can be an expert on theology. You, you, you can know all the right words and, and all the right phrases and not have a personal relationship with Jesus. That, that, that the scripture says, don't be just a hearer of the word, be a doer. And that's why some folks want to emphasize what I call um, sort of the, uh, the missional approach to church life. We love Jesus. We'll love the world that he loved. We'll serve the world that he served. I call this the boot camp the boot camp model. Uh, The idea here is to really emphasize uh, missions and service. And so we have all kinds of kind of edgy ways of, uh, you know, we do compassion sponsorship and and risky things. We're going to take people out there and put them on the front lines uh, and and have them really live out their their faith in, in, in kind of edgy and provocative, uh, radical ways. And there's no question, I think, that this model this model as well has, has a lot to commend in it. If you look back at the text, um, verse 9 and 10, Jesus says in chapter 15, to abide in his love means to love one another as he has loved us. So clearly there are elements of the boot camp model that we can certainly embrace. But you can disagree with me on this, but I think, I think here in North America, Our favorite brand of church, most of us, um, our most popular model is is the spring break model. Because we Americans, we are doers, right? We like to do stuff. We like to get people to sign up for things, right? Like how many times have you ever heard somebody say something like this? What's what's your church like? And they go, oh, our church is really good. We have a church that is very, very what? Active. Very, very active. Our church is very active. I'm going, all right, all right. Viruses are active. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, Mexican drug cartel, active. I mean, that doesn't make it a great ministry. Well, that's, I think, one of the reasons why this passage in John 15 is so important. Um, because Jesus is reminding us here that, you know what? We are not called primarily to activity. We are called to productivity. We're called to productivity. Look back at verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. We're, we're not called to be active. We're called to be productive. In fact, um, in, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, the psalmist says, the godly person, the godly person, that sounds important, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Now think about that image. The godly person like a tree planted by streams of water. That's not exactly a metaphor for frenzied activity, right? You don't, you don't drive past a grove of trees and go, holy cow, look at them today. You know, look at what they're doing today. Because trees are basically about two things. They're about roots and fruits. Abiding faith. Abiding faith is always about fruitful Faith. Now you you might ask, okay, okay, but but what does that mean? What does that mean? We're gonna we're gonna bear fruit, and and as you actually explore some of the some of the commentaries and some of the scholarship around this chapter, uh, you'll see there there are typically sort of three different ideas. Some commentators say that what that means to bear fruit is to win people to Christ. 
that, that when you win someone to Christ, you are bearing fruit. You're reproducing yourself spiritually. So that, that's kind of one idea. A second idea is that, oh, no, no, wait a minute. To bear fruit, that means to be obedient to uh, the laws of God, that, that, uh, that you, are, you are bearing the fruits of obedience. That's being really good. I actually believe that the best and truest interpretation of what Jesus is saying here is this, that when he talks about bearing fruit, he's talking about bearing the fruits of Christ-likeness. In other words, the fruits of a changed character and obedience that grows out of union with Christ. This is not, this is not good doing, it's good being. It's good being. In other words, uh, Jesus is not calling us uh, here to to try really, really hard to be nice, you know, sort of the gospel according to Oprah. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers goes to the Holy Land. This is not, this is not a call for me and, and for you to wake up in the morning, uh, stare into the bathroom mirror, uh, grit your teeth and psych yourself into niceness and say, I'm going to be fruity today. That, that is not what God is calling us to. Fruitfulness And that will also frighten your family members. Fruitfulness is about focusing on our engagement with Jesus, our union with him. Again, it comes back to abiding in Christ. Uh, A few years ago, my wife and I took a little vacation in Northern California up in wine country. And if you've ever been in Sonoma County, it's a gorgeous area. And, uh, and what you notice is that the landscape is, is, is just adorned with all of these beautiful rolling hills. And these rolling hills are carpeted with just acres and acres and acres of beautiful vineyards, all these vineyards. And then nestled in right at the lap of each of these hills are these uh, beautiful manor homes, these wineries, and it's just gorgeous. And you can, you can actually tour a lot of these, these vineyards. Uh, we were actually stopped at one of them. We were kind of walking uh, in, the, in the vineyard, walking out amongst the grapes. And what struck me about it as we walked among the vineyards was how quiet it was, how utterly quiet it was. There, the, in other words, this, as, as much as I knew these grapes were growing and producing, there was very little sign of effort. Like you, you would walk past these, these vines and they have these beautiful, huge, juicy, succulent grapes. But you don't hear the grapes working at grape nests, right? They're, they're not going, oh, you know, I want to be a grape. You know, they're not groaning and, and straining. Right? I mean, every now and then they let out a little wine, but it wasn't, oh. but uh, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a ton of effort. The reason is because they were abiding in the vine. That's why in Galatians 5, Paul contrasts the fruits of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. One is fruit tree faith, the other is Christmas tree faith. What that means for us this morning is this. Our job is not to focus on fruit. Our job is to focus on our fellowship with Jesus. Through, through reading the word, through, through, through fellowship with other believers, through worship, through prayer, uh, even, through, even through sometimes our doing. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2 says, run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus. Don't run by watching your feet. That's the surest way to fall. Run the race looking unto Jesus. Abide in him, Jesus says, and you will bear much fruit.
Focused on our feet, not on our fellowship. That's the way to fall. Living out authentic faith in the, in the jungle of the everyday begins with a firsthand faith. That's abiding in Christ. That's expressed in a faithful faith. That's obeying Christ and it matures into a fruitful faith growing into the likeness of Christ. Even in the jungle of everyday life, if you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus or, or, or maybe, maybe you're vaguely committed to Christ, but, but, but you're not seeing the fruits of his life in yours, that you feel stagnant, that the, that the vine seems stale and withered, this would be an awesome morning to ask him by faith to graft you by grace into the vine of his abundance. Maybe you're joining us this morning right here uh, at, at Klein Campus, or maybe you're, you're joining us online in the Woodlands, or maybe you're watching us uh, online. We, we, we want to make sure this morning that you hear an invitation from Jesus uh, to abide in me. Maybe you're thinking, I, I want to know that sort of intimacy with Christ. I, I would love to live in him. I'd love to know that, that, that shared life in my own everyday world. Let me just suggest this. If that's you this morning, if that's you today, here's a simple prayer to pray. You just say, Jesus, you're the vine. You are the source of my life. I have seen the fruits of my choices, my life, my sin, my selfishness. And apart from you, I know I can do nothing. I may not be burned up, but I am darn near burned out. And, and I want to ask you this morning, would you abide in me and forgive me so that little by little, I can begin to abide in you and the Father will be glorified by the fruit of your presence in me. And, then, and, and, and if you'd like to pray that prayer after this service uh, this morning, there'll be folks right down front. They're, they're wearing red shirts and, and they would love to talk with you or pray with you about that decision. Or you can contact us uh, through our website so that, so that we can help you to take those next steps in your adventure with Jesus, who is the king of the jungle. It is, uh, it is perfectly appropriate this morning that we should be talking about grapes and, and fruit and in union with Christ, because this morning here at Faith Bridge, we're going to share together in communion around the Lord's table. Remember when Jesus originally spoke these words in John 15, uh, it, he spoke them in the context of a meal. And in the same way as Jesus uh, with his disciples, we're going to share together uh, this morning the meal that we call the Last Supper. Now, let me remind you this morning, this is not a memorial service uh, for a dead Jesus. This is our way of celebrating uh, a risen Jesus who died for us, who lives in us, abides in us so that we might know the fullness of his joy. It's not a table of mourning, although it might for some of us this morning be a table of repentance and, and confession. Uh, it's not a table of, of fasting and, and sort of remorse. It's a table of, of feasting and gratitude for a savior who has given his body and blood for us. Here at Faithbridge, uh, whether you are joining us from the Woodlands or right here on Klein Campus, uh, we want to invite you. If you are a believer in Jesus, you do not need to be a member of this local church. If you're a believer in Jesus, we want to invite you. Our table is open to you. Uh, we also have uh, this morning uh, at each of the communion stations, gluten-free. 
uh, bread. So if, if, if that's what you're looking for, we have that. If, if, you, if you are looking for gluten-filled, we got nothing for you. But uh, we got uh, gluten-free at each of these uh, places. Uh, and, and let me just uh, remind you, too, that the way we receive the Lord's Supper here at Faith Bridge is we use what's called intinction. You take the uh, bread, you dip it into the cup, and then, uh, and then uh, consume it that way. And, uh, and this is sort of our opportunity to share together as the body of Christ and believers in Christ, his broken body and blood for us. Uh, you remember the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He gave himself um, for us. And he did this by actually sitting there with his disciples around the table. And in a way that must have been mysterious and in some ways very poignant, but also awesome. And, and in some ways, I'm sure, wonderful. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And, and what sort of questions and, and thoughts must have emerged when they saw his hands break the bread? And then in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this cup, this cup is a sign of a new covenant sealed by my blood. He, he said, I want you to drink this, drink this, so that you might know of this new promise of a new relationship with the Father. Um, this morning, as we take the bread and take the cup, we do this as a way of receiving Christ anew into our lives. So let's bow together uh, in prayer. Lord, thank you. We are stunned that you would invite us to this wedding feast. As we move into a season of feasts, we realize this is the celebration of all celebrations because you broke your body. You gave your blood so that we might have life. Lord, we take this bread and this cup and we offer it up to you as a sacrifice. We hope to make our lives as a sacrifice, but we do this also asking that you would in some mysterious and an incomprehensible way that as we take the bread and the cup that we would take you in, that we would be drawn into a more intimate, a deeper intimacy with you. We know we don't deserve this. We certainly don't understand this. It is a gift of your grace. And so we come to your table this morning with gratitude and joy and humility. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Hi, and welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group Director, and I'm here with Bible teacher Duffy Robbins, who just brought part two of Tarzan Christianity, a look at John 15, talking about abiding. We continue to look at uh, the verses that we looked at last week, right. uh, but taking a different section of them and, and speaking into those. Um, we talked a little bit about fruitful faith mm -hmm. and faithful faith. That's and, right. Um, we did have a question come in. Great. Um, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Okay. Um, so when we're talking about this passage, what is the context of this passage and who is the audience in which Jesus was addressing? There's several parts to this. Is he talking to the Jews and Gentiles? Um, and when he's talking about cuts off and prunes the Jew, how does that apply to us as new believers? Okay, a great question. Somebody I think obviously has, has been doing some reading on the passage. Um, first of all, the, the context uh, beginning in John 13, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples. This is uh, called the upper room discourse. 
and uh, it actually continues into uh, chapter 17. There's some, there's some, for example, N.T. Wright who wondered if maybe somewhere right around John 15, uh, they had left the upper room and had now started to walk out um, of the room and maybe were moving towards the garden or something like that. But, but, but uh, that's probably asking more of the text than the text is willing to answer. Uh, we certainly don't know that for sure, but we do know that the audience the entire time is the disciples. Um, in light of that, uh, when Jesus talks, uh, I think that's the first—that's um, the first assumption we need to realize or make, and that is that he's talking to people who are his disciples. So this is true for us. Um, secondly, uh, Jesus considered himself well in the, in in um, biblical imagery. A lot of times, uh, Israel was considered um, the the vine. It was it was sort of considered the vine and. And there are commentators who believe that when Jesus talked about a vine not bearing fruit, that that was Israel in the Old Testament, that it wasn't bearing fruit, and that, um, that, that we have been grafted in, in a sense. Those of us who are Gentiles have been grafted in, and, um, and that he is the vine, that he's sort of this, this, the new Israel. He's sort of the new covenant. His, his is a new people of God. Um, so, so with regard to Israel and Gentiles, that uh, I think that's probably that's probably how I'd explain that. That that Jesus he is talking to disciples. He himself is the new, the real Israel. In fact, um, a couple of times in the text, I didn't actually get into this in the messages this week or last week, but he even says, "I am." In the Greek, he says, "I am the real vine." In other words, I am the true Israel, and. Uh, and uh, that we have been grafted in him. So that, that's kind of the, the context in terms of who he's talking to. Now, uh, the next part of that question was, okay, if, if, what does this have to do with about me as a new believer? And I think it means exactly what it sounds like it means, that Jesus takes very seriously our relationship with him as believers, and that that relationship is uh, going to be uh, made vivid and going to be expressed by fruit. Jesus said... Um, in Matthew 7, he said, you will know a tree by its fruit. And so uh, th that sort of runs a little bit uh, against the grain of, of sort of the, 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 the Oprah Jesus, the lenient Jesus, the, the come on, nice guy, you know, buddy, buddy Jesus, uh, that, that, uh, that there's, a, there's a, a, a sort of a sobering warning there that is... That is um, you know, it's not something we like to see. You don't, you don't usually see that on like little Christian uh, coffee cups and things like that. Uh, you don't bear fruit. You're going to be broken off and burned out. You don't see many Christian plaques and quilts. But, but, um, and it's interesting. You'll see different Bible commentators uh, who have tried to treat the text different ways. But I was amazed at how many commentaries, you know, basically said this says what it seems to be saying. And it's troubling to us, as I said in the sermon, not because we don't understand it, but because we do. Mm -hmm. and, we, and, and there are those who try to find other ways around it. I don't think there is a way with integrity we can, we can go beyond what it says that, that Jesus wants us to bear fruit. Now, again, all of that is in the context of a God who gives life, a God whose desire is to prune us and to bring us to a place where we bear fruit. Uh, so it's not as if he's looking to build a big old fire and I want to break a bunch of people off. He, he grafted us into this branch by grace and he sustains us by grace. 
but but clearly there has to be some intention on our part seems to me that's good that's good and so you talked about disengagement meaning when you're away from the vine or you're trying to do things away from the vine and then you also talked about discouragement right. um, and you've spoken about that a little bit but is the discouragement that you're talking about discouraging when you when God begins to prune you or that happens in your life or what does that discouragement look like and what's the hope uh, it, it's kind of every, it's kind of all the above, really. It's discouragement because, uh, because of what I just talked about, the idea that, wow, uh, this is kind of for real. This Jesus, this Christianity thing, it's not like, oh, I just kind of thought it would be like a, an, uh, you know, sort of an elective course, the obedience part. I, I can just kind of be a Christian and, and, and only people who do extra credit, you know, that, that's sort of discouraging to discover, no, actually, it's more serious than that. Um, when Jesus says things like, take up your cross and follow me, suggest that this is going to be more than a, a tea party. Uh, but, but it's also discouraging, I think, or it could be discouraging in, in light of the second element, which is you said, you know, what if we are really trying to focus on our fellowship with Jesus? And, and, uh, and in the process, uh, sometimes it's discouraging because we're not seeing the fruit that we want to see. Um, and sometimes... Um, maybe in, in, in order for the Lord to see the fruit, that the vine dresser to have the fruit that he wants, he does prune and he does, he does break and he does kind of put us through situations that are not pleasant. Um, I think it's discouraging for both of us. That, but to me, it comes back to the fact that, that what well, Paul says in Colossians, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And, and, and over and over, it's abide in me and me in him. And so I think what we should do as Christians, certainly what I do, and I, and I have every reason to be discouraged about, am I doing, am I, do I have the fruit? You know, um, is, uh, is, is I go, hey, this, you know, I've, I wanna, it's not about me trying to wake up every day and, and be good, you know. Uh, can't we just all get along, kind of Rodney King, you know, the, it's no, it's me trying to maintain my focus with Jesus and bear my relationship with Jesus. It's not unlike, you know, you with your children. I mean, you don't, you're not, you, you want to, you want to see them, you want to see them grow. And sometimes you will discipline them. I and mean, Jesus, I mean, does that. In fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11, that a loving father chastens those whom he loves. But, but, you know, any kid knows that's not, that can be discouraging and quite painful, but it's a manifestation of love, good. not abandonment. Good, good. Thank you for that. Um, well, I've certainly enjoyed these two weeks. It is always so fun Thanks, to have man. you here um, and we wish you so much gratitude and thankfulness this holiday season. To Appreciate it. I look forward to being family. back uh, yeah. after well, New Year's. Right. You'll be back yep. after New Year's. It'll so be great. great. We can't wait to see you back then too. And we'll it. see you back here next week. Thank you for joining us for Postscript. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.